1: Hello Masterplan World. Welcome to the latest E-commerce Masterplan podcast. It's a pleasure as always to have you all out there listening. I'm Chloe Thomas, creator of the E-commerce Masterplan, author, speaker and consultant, and as you all know, I focus on e-commerce business strategy and marketing. Last week I took you through my recommendations for your summer reading, and this week we're back to a good e-commerce interview. So let me introduce you to today's special guest. David Hathoramani is the co-founder of A Suit That Fits, a multi-award winning bespoke tailor that operates a hybrid bricks and clicks model. It all started with a proof of concept market stall in Hampstead back in 2006. And now they deliver about 10,000 orders every year. And last year raised just under a million pounds in crowdfunding, over 90% of which was generated from the customers. Hi, David. Hi, Chloe. Um, I've just given our listeners a very quick overview of you and your business and where you are now. So how did you get started in e-commerce?
0: Well, um, uh, we started back in 2006 when, uh, when one of my friends had been uh, traveling all over the world. So he got soups tailored uh, in, in China, in Africa um, and eventually in Kathmandu in Nepal. Um, he came back to the UK uh, and I met him and he was wearing this really awesome uh, three-piece uh, olive green suit. Uh, it had um, some massive flares as, uh, as trousers. It had uh, a kind of fabric that um, that was very daring. Um, and I, uh, I looked at it and thought, well, the fit is great and it's exactly what he wants. And wouldn't it be great if I could get something that I wanted too? So obviously minus the flares, um, I didn't want a three-button jacket. I wanted a two-button jacket. Um, and my background was, was technology, and it just all clicked that we just thought, well, wouldn't it be cool if you can actually design a suit online? Um, and back then, we became the world's first uh, online uh, bespoke tailor. Um, so, uh, so fast forward uh, kind of um, uh, 10 years, uh, we, uh, we realized very soon after starting that luxury bespoke tailoring uh, required a personal service. Um, so we started to open up our appointment book throughout the UK, uh, we now have 30 places throughout the UK that you can actually visit to have your appointment. So you can go through the style, go through the measurements and go through the fit. Um, and they're separated out into visiting locations that we visit between once every week and every three weeks, depending on how popular they are. And we call those tailor stops. And then we have our permanent studios, the rest of them, um, which are with our, with our, with our favourite and most busy one uh, in the West End of London, where we have four style advisors working almost seven days a week. Um, every week. So so that's that's where we are and how we started.
1: Excellent. And um, the, the hybrid bricks and clicks that you're you're operating, can someone just walk in off the street into the store or does, do they have to have booked that appointment in advance?
0: Well, f- firstly, they're not likely to walk in off the street. And the reason for that is that we don't take on um, uh, shop front and retail premises in the kind of ordinary way. Uh, we we more look at uh, getting our kind of um, uh, like space within the shopping regions, uh, but not being retail. So they're very unlikely to walk into us unless they know we're there um, uh, in in those popular locations. So, for example, in 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 London, in Glasshouse Street off the back of Piccadilly, um, that's where our studio is. But it's it's actually a first floor. Um, where uh, where you, you really have to know it's there. I mean, you can see the mannequins and the, the, the kind of signage in the windows, but you really have to know it's there to to know to book in. Um, so that brings me back to booking in. So what our website actually does is effectively uh, drive people to book in at their local studio. Um, and that's what all of our, uh, what our equivalent of a sale online is effectively, is securing that booking and making sure that we have a customer coming to see us.
1: So the, it was, this was going to be one of my later questions, so I'm glad you've come on to this, which is, so the majority of your customers do see you face-to-face. They don't just come on and order blind, or is there a small percentage who will come onto the website, not come and get, get sized, but will go through that online process without seeing you?
0: Well, when we, I'll, I'll, yeah, so just to answer that question directly, so mm. about 95% of our customers will come to see us personally. But if I just rewind a little bit and take us but take it back down to the roots. We started as the world's first online tailor. So we started with the, the idea that uh, that you could do all of this online. And actually, it's very successful doing it all online. You'll, you'll find that, you know, measurements taken at home um, end up end up being very, very accurate because people know they're investing a lot of uh, energy, time and money into the process. Yeah. So actually, the accuracy isn't the thing. But, but we wanted to make bespoke tailoring accessible for all. And we found that customers, um, on the whole, much preferred... Um, to uh, have the comfort of the the personal advice, the personal uh, the personal um, appointment, all of the uh, kind of conversations that go with that. Um, so, therefore, we started to open up our appointment book, and and purely by choice of customers, about ninety five percent of them come to see us. Um, so, we found that if you offer them a convenient way of going through their bespoke tailoring, they'll take it. Um, and our mission is to make bespoke tailoring accessible to all um, in lots of ways. One of them uh, being um, loca- being local to our customers. Um, and in fact, we found that they 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 much prefer to use that service.
1: That's such, an important um, point there, I think, is that your you've not set out to be the world's greatest online tailor. You've set out to make tailoring accessible to more people. And the, the, the slight difference in that mission has enabled you to be able to to kind of change the business model, almost flip it on its head completely, so it becomes face to face, not online only, because that's the way to achieve your more um thought thought through, more sensible mission? Well I think
0: I think um actually I mean when it wasn't even a choice when the when the question kept asking. I mean, I think that if we had, you know, designed this uh, designed the most efficient business model um, to deliver bespoke tailoring, then we would have kept it as an online only offering and gone international, you know, and, and scaled in that way. Um, but instead, what we'd always wanted and what was always more comfortable to us was actually really try and change the world and actually try and say, right, well, why aren't people getting bespoke tailoring, and why don't we dress all of that? Um, by use of technology and by use of all the kind of 21st century methods that we now have. How do we make the tailoring accessible for all? So so when the question came, well, do we open up our appointment book? It wasn't even much of a consideration. It was, the answer was, of course we do. Um, so, yeah.
1: Okay. So a little few details now about where the business is right now. I am I know you're in the UK and you're selling to the UK. Do you sell to any other countries?
0: Uh, we um so currently we do int- we do i mean i mentioned the online only aspect of it mm. we um, have actually always had an element of uh, customers who've always chosen to to use us online so where we don't service personally um you know in all of the you know countries in the world we actually still have a really you know uh, kind of dedicated fan base to us um that uh that has, has kind of used us for years through throughout the world so one of our top customers is in Germany. We have a, a lot of US customers. We, um, yeah. So so it's so, it's, uh, so I, I kind of hesitantly say that we don't service <laughs> with a luxury service, you know, Germany or the US or or um or anywhere else for now. Um, we still do have that online service that customers seem to really love in those countries too. Of
1: well, course, cool. so you are kind of accidentally international. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and um, I'm guessing your platform is a bespoke one. Yeah, I mean on? everything
0: we do is bespoke, including our platform. So yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not on Shopify then. No. <laughs> okay. And although,
0: although um, uh, we uh, last last year we uh, started up a, a charitable charitable project um, in light of the uh, Nepal earthquakes, um, uh, called Nepal Shirt, um, and uh, and and the mission of that is to um, is to uh, Sell a white shirt that is hand tailored in Kathmandu, uh, in Nepal, with all of the proceeds and profits going um, going to help rebuild um, uh, rebuild you know, homes there. Um, so that is one element that we actually have put on uh, Shopify, and not our not our own bespoke platform. Um, so uh, so that we, we have you know tinkered with with those uh, other platforms as well.
1: Oh, cool. Um, and what's your? How many are there in your team? Have you got? Do you outsource a lot of things, or is it all about keeping in, control?
0: Well, in the UK, we have around about thirty, thirty-five people um, within our within our team. Um, we have all of our um, uh, technology and, and digital marketing is done internally. So actually, we have a, a UK based CTO, um, uh, Vitali, um, and we have uh, a, a UK based digital marketing. Um, we also have a technology team who uh, who are based actually in Russia. Um, so we uh, it's, it's still not outsourced; it's our own team, just based in Russia. Um, and we have kind of teams all over the world. So we have a team in India who deal with a lot of our uh, the technology required for um, for actually making the uh, the garments. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, making the the cutouts of your your suit before they're stitched together. Um, and then we have our fantastic tailors based in Kathmandu in Nepal. So we and we have around about a team of a hundred over over there. So we have a kind of a, a very um, spread out team across the world.
1: And I'm guessing that 30 in the UK is head office, and then there's also your uh, your tailors around the country as well. Yeah, so it's
0: actually split between t- 20 in head office and 10 um, 10 people around the country okay. who um, who support our tailoring network.
1: And what do you think is the most awesome thing about your business right now?
0: I think, uh, I think our really unique mission is the most you know, awesome thing. So we, we effectively are um, you know, using technology to spread the, spread the mission of Bespoke for All. Um, and I think that um, no one's really ever um, tried to uh, you know, properly scale Bespoke tailoring. Um, it's a very difficult thing to scale. So scaling personal relationships um, is a very you know, difficult thing to scale. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, you know, there are people that have done it in other industries. So there are, there's you know, Uber has done it with taxi drivers and and Airbnb has done it with hosts. Um, and we're looking to do the same thing with, uh, with bespoke tailoring. So giving people um, who have a passion and interest in delighting customers and bespoke tailoring um, the platform to, to build their own bespoke tailoring business. And that's the most exciting thing that we're working on day in, day out um, to actually spread the mission of Bespoke for All. So that's that's how excited we are internally about it.
1: So you said about helping them build their own bespoke tailoring business. Is that is it really about your style advisors? And do tell me if I'm getting the the job title wrong. uh, Is it about your style advisors having almost their own client list?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we in uh, you know, the, the start of 2015, we uh, we realised that what we'd built is this uh, this fantastic platform that allowed um, you know, people who are trained on it to, to to create bespoke suits with customers and to delight their customers. Uh, and we realised that actually bespoke tailoring is personal. So it goes without saying, actually, that when you go and see someone, you'll recommend you know that person for all of his uh, or hers. Um, you know kind of characteristics you know for all of their personality for the way they handled you as a as a customer and what we've uh, therefore realized is that uh, this is something that we can now start to offer out to um, uh, to people who are interested in scaling a, a fashion and bespoke tailoring business um, to actually leverage to grow their own business um, and it's, a, it's an opportunity that doesn't really uh, exist in the fashion sector at all um, so uh, so so that coupled with uh all of the platform that we've built has really allowed us to you know, start to look at this in a different way and start to really rapidly scale our mission um, uh, throughout the UK. And that was what the fundraise last year was for, to make sure that we accelerated that mission. And that's what we're all of our team now is is putting our efforts towards. So effectively becoming the platform that showcases fantastic bespoke tailors, not being the, uh, the overall brand that sells, but supporting all of those individuals into growing their own business um, and selling effectively through them as, as people and their own effective brand hosted on our platform.
1: So it's white labelling for want of a better word? No, it's
0: actually, um, it's more like, they so think of it as uh, as, uh, as hosts to Airbnb or taxi drivers to Uber. So providing the platform that allows them to grow a business Um, and this business being in fashion and bespoke tailoring. So it's not, it's not white labeling. Um, it's us having the stamp of, um, you know, approval and uh, certification and you, them all using our amazing platform that we've created over the last 10 years, um, to scale their own business, but within the platform. So it's not, it will always be represented as, as ASTF. Um, mm. But um, but with them being the personality and the drivers that can delight customers and drive their own local business um, through uh, showcasing them as people.
1: So it's like the local seamstress or tailor and dress alterer is, um, is kind of becoming a partner, franchisee, etc. of a suit that fits. Exactly.
0: And and not only that, but, you know, the, the grand mission is to actually bring back tailoring to the state that it was back in the 60s, where everyone uh, had, every household had a, had a uh, tailor that they really loved and, and used and passed throughout their family and throughout their friends network. Um, and bringing that back to the UK that I think has been missing for such a long time.
1: And I guess the... Raising that money as part of a crowdfunder and discovering how much of that support was from your own customers. Just for the listeners to remind them, it's a million pounds that was raised, just under a million pounds was raised, and not over ninety percent of that was directly from the customers of a suit that fits. I guess that's that's quite a good way of sense checking that you're heading in the right direction, a direction that the customer is going to enjoy you going in because they're willing to put their own money behind it.
0: Yeah, I mean that was that was very um, you know kind of. Uh, it, was, it felt like a fantastic endorsement to the entire team for all of their efforts, um, but now what it feels like is that we have four hundred and seventy seven um, real advocates throughout the uk who can push this mission because this mission is going to take um, you know changing the way people shop and changing the way people think about buying their suits um, is going to take all the help that it can get really um, because we're trying to effectively you know, change change people's habits that they've had for a lifetime. So, um, so having all of that support and riding that wave of enthusiasm, um, is, has been really great for us as well.
1: So we had, um, last year or earlier this year, one or the other, uh, we had a chap on the podcast called, uh, Dave Rothero, who's used crowdfunders to launch his two businesses. And his point of view on it was the money's great, but the enthusiasm and the community feel that it creates is even more powerful than the money that enables you to build the business. Is that something yeah. you would agree with I mean I'll
0: just give you an example so uh, so one of our uh, one of our investors I actually um, met at an event before um, before uh, he'd even considered investing um, but he got in touch at the time of the crowdfund and he put a little bit of money in but he's he's now effectively like a fantastic sense check on our on our marketing so um, so now I have you know regular phone calls with him. Um, and it's just added a, you know, there's another guy who, you know, was a, a relatively large investor uh, within the crowd, within the crowd cube campaign. And he's, um, he's a, he's effectively a, a technical specialist, like an IT specialist that <laughs> <but> has, has, <laughs> has, you know, managed teams of a hundred, hundreds of people. So he's always mm-hmm. wanting to kind of test new things that come out on our website and he's in contact. You know, constant contact with our CTO, so it's really added this uh, this wealth of interested people who are wanting to drive us, and that's fantastic. So it's um we we you know it that's that support has been a big thing.
1: So I'm gonna I've got one last question before actually no, probably two last questions before we get into the tops round. The first of all, which we're talking we're talking a lot here about how it's all about the customer, it's all about the customer and getting that that relationship going with them. Now your type of product could be seen as a big customer service challenge. And I, I'm i increasingly of the opinion that customer service in and of itself, you know, creating the right product, allowing someone to order it, getting it to them is a mixture between systems, training of the team and the marketing and content that you put out there. Which of those three would you say is the, has been the most important to be giving a good service to your consumers?
0: Wow, that's a very interesting question. So, um, so what are the choices? So systems, systems, marketing, marketing,
1: and, and the training of the team.
0: Training the team. Um, I think. I mean, they, you mentioned it being a good mix, but they're all they're all equally important, really. I mean, um, the systems, I suppose, uh, leads on to needing less training of the team. So, um, so the systems is fundamentally important because if, if things are built into the system, um, then less training of the team is required. Meaning, uh, meaning the, the training you can give them is actually value added training, not just uh, not just uh, click here do of, this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you can actually tell them how they need to approach people, not what they need to do. Mm-hmm. So we've always tried to build everything into the systems as much as you, as much as we can. Um, there's obviously a limit to that because bespoke tailoring complicated, so you need to know the things that you need to enter enter into a system as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, but all of the other two things, I think, are, are linked. You know, linked very closely. So you've got um, training, training of the team, and marketing. They have to support each other. So so the marketing has to, you know, all the marketing messages have to be supported by all of the uh, the training in the team. So I think it's. I don't think you can. You know, if, you, if you fall down on one of those things, then. You know the, the whole. You lose the whole thing. So I think all of those things have to be spot on. So I don't. I'm sorry, I haven't really helped you on that. But that's uh, that's just my thoughts poured out. No, I um, think
1: those those are great thoughts, and I know that a lot of the listeners are going. Oh, as they're listening to that, either, oh, we're doing okay or, oh, that's what I should be doing. So I think, I think the thought process is as important as a hierarchy. Um, my last question, which kind of, kind of feeds into that is around the blog. Cause when you get to your website, your blog is right there on the homepage. Um, is that something you're testing at the moment? Is that something you've tested and shown to be giving people advice about tailoring is central or is it kind of, just part of the mission that you're hoping the customer will respond to. Okay, so I,
0: I mean, your, your, our um, the new our, our new website should be uh, yeah, out um, quite soon, um, and actually, we've been thinking uh, a lot about how to integrate content into um, into kind of our website. But if we take a step back, what we've realized that we've become over the last 10 years is uh, effectively uh, the reason why people book in appointments with us is because they go through that fantastic experience, the style advice, you know, asking all, you know, our, our style advisors asking them all the right questions. And we're looking at very much creating um, the new websites and completely refining it always and constantly refining it into being a representation of who we are as a business as a whole. So here we are as a business, is that we'll advise you on what you need in your in your bespoke tailoring and garments that you want to create, uh, and obviously um, any content that we can provide. So uh, the blog, um, you know, the profiles of our of our fit experts, you know, any pictures of garments that uh, that that our fit experts think are are, are um, you know fun or exciting. And um, all of that adds to the richness of the content of the whole uh, the whole website. And that's what our website is going to be built about. So really try to replicate, you know, once you've clicked around on our website, we want you to actually have an understanding and a feel of what it's like to be in an appointment anyway. Um, and that will come through content, that will come through content in all sorts, all, 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 all kind of shapes and sizes, um, potentially more infographics and that kind of thing as well. Um, just to help you get to your perfect suit and your perfect style and your perfect fit expert as quickly as possible, so all of that content supports it and it's it's not by chance that it's on our on our front page It's always been very um, uh, very important to us to get the thoughts of our fit experts to our customers um, so they know the kind of people that they'll be seeing when they uh, when they book in with them um, Would it- and that's something that will just grow over time.
1: David, would it be fair to say that part of that's to do with reducing a customer's fear of bespoke?
0: Uh, You know, absolutely. I mean, I think that one of the we we try to make bespoke tailoring accessible in every way. Um, Now, bespoke tailoring, unfortunately, um, you know, sometimes that kind of brings in the fear of 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 meeting someone who's not necessarily going to be, you know, who's who's maybe going to be judging them, or it's a little bit of a stuffy (laughs) environment, or and that kind of thing. And that's we're completely anti that we we've always wanted to make bespoke tailoring feel like normal so we want to connect you with someone that you feel you can get on well with to go through your you know whole experience and 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 just um kind of breaking the ice and actually having their 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 voice out on there on our uh, on our website has been a a big thing to kind of make it feel like we're not actually that kind of stuffy tailor that's going to judge you by coming in and we're actually you know you know it's bespoke tailoring it's it's fantastic. You'll get an awesome suit and you'll get an awesome you know, shirt, overcoat, whatever you want to order. Um, but you'll also feel good doing it. And that's, that's, that's what we've always tried to do. And that's just one of the barriers of accessibility that we tried to break down.
1: Excellent. Well, I think on that note, it's definitely time to move into the top tips round. And I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really good ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So, David, the first one is... Your book top tip: If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend?
0: Oh wow! Um, right, so um, there's there's so many actually. So, um,
1: but you can have two if you can't pick just okay. the one.
0: So I think like a lot of people talk about uh, talk about um, a kind of you know. Where they want to be and that kind of thing, but what you know, what a lot of people don't talk about is actually how you get things done. So I found one one book that I um I, I kind of really you know really like because it kind of gives you practical advice on how to actually get things done. Is called uh, the Four Disciplines of Execution, um, so 4DX for short. So that's 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 a really really good book. Um, about it breaks down how you know you've got a big challenge that you want to overcome. How do you do the right things that will lead to to getting uh, getting that big challenge achieved basically so that's really that's a really interesting book. um and then i've got I've got lots more but I'll keep that one as my top tip actually okay um,
1: that's cool I, that's a good one and I know we haven't had that one on the on the uh, podcast before so that one's a first for all of us um the traffic top tips next then which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves?
0: I, well, I think by the time that you've, uh, you know, by the time you found one that is, is above all others, then other people have caught onto it, really. <laughs> I think the tip there is, isn't to, to look for this winning channel. I think the tip there is to, you know, constantly be experimenting and trying out new channels. Um, and actually when you're experimenting and trying out new channels, that's when they're the best value because that's when people haven't caught onto them yet. So, um, so certainly we were the first people that, Even did paid click and bespoke tailoring. If you can imagine that back in, you know, about 10 years ago, it was incredibly cheap back then. And, and we, you know, got all of our scale practically because we were the first people to that form of digital marketing. Now, um, now there are people that, you know, obviously are very, very good at that within our industry, but have moved on to, to Facebook advertising and are effectively using that. And that effectively, you know, takes. You know, the clicks away from paid click because you know, if, if people already know of a brand through Facebook marketing before they've even thought about searching it, they won't search for they won't search for bespoke tailoring anymore, they'll search for the brand that they now know. So um mm. so effectively you've got to be constantly thinking of how you can innovate in all of the all of the channels that consumers are seeing um, and do it before your competitors do. So I think the the best channel and the newest channel the, the best channel, and the cheapest channel is often the newest channel. So I would look at, uh, I would look at kind of uh, seeing how you can leverage those new popular channels
1: you're um you're speaking to the converter because every as everybody listening knows i always end the podcast by telling everyone to just keep optimizing so um i think i think we're of a mind there david i think we're on the same page uh so the next top tip is the tool top tip maybe a collaboration tool a social media plug in a phone app or just a way of working is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient day to day
0: um i think uh a lot of the time, you know, this is like uh, kind of. I mean, this is uh, once again completely obvious, but a lot of the time, people have forgotten now that that actually, kind of, you can't solve everything over email. You can't solve everything over chat or or in collaborations on a new platform. A lot of the time, you need to just have a really, you know, good topic and sort it out in a in a meeting. And it's often it's really. <laughs> It's really funny seeing that everyone's kind of forgotten this in my, often, in my office a lot of the time. Everyone's being really quiet, emailing about the same thing to each other. And you can see the emails going past and people have actually forgotten that why don't we grab people, get them in a room or have a conference call <laughs> and just sort this out because it's often a lot more efficient. So I'd say once again, don't get caught up on all of the, you know, the new tools, which they're all there and I'm happy to use them all, all of the, you know, the kind of issue tracking and all of the different things that you can use. But really, if you want to sort out, you know, big fundamental things that require more than two people, you know, or even even just two people in, then often the conversation is that it's kind of that people have forgotten that lost art effectively. And I think that, you know, a good organized meeting can get through a lot more stuff than any of these collaboration tools um, that you can put together.
1: So true. So the startup top tip. Um, If you met someone this weekend who's thinking of starting an e-commerce business, what would be your first tip for them?
0: Um, so the first tip is, 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 you know, effectively, if you're, you know, stop dithering and just, you know, do it because you're not going to figure out if it's, if it's successful until you start doing it. A lot of the time, people, you know, think a lot, uh, you know, think, you know, you know, convince themselves out of or into things over a long period of time. And actually, you know, the time in e-commerce that you've been thinking about, if you've been thinking for, about something for six months, it's probably too late. So, um, so I'd say just do it um and the second i mean i think the second thing is once you've got traction on on what you're doing uh the same point remember that in 6 months time a year's time or 2 years time that's going to be old news so you've got to be constantly thinking so that innovation that got you to that point um you know that innovation that got you to the point so when we started we were the world's first online uh, online tailor now we're um you know now we're effectively a a host for uh, for other, you know, people to, to scale their own bespoke tailoring business. Um, so that innovation, uh, you have to keep going within the business. Um, and if you don't, you'll, you'll be today's, you know, you know, you know, today's you know, news, but you know, tomorrow's, well, fish and chips wrappers or whatever they call whatever <laughs> however that saying goes. I'm not sure if anyone eats fish and chips anymore, but there we go. <laughs>
1: Okay, so Masterplan World, you can find those top tips and links to everything else we've been chatting about in today's episode by going to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash 58. And I've got one last top tips question for you, David, which is, if your business didn't exist, which e-commerce business would you like to be in charge of? Okay. If
0: my business didn't exist. I suppose I... I mean, it's just obvious, isn't it? I really kind of, uh, actually, is it obvious? I'm just thinking. <laughs> I was going to say the obvious one, which is Amazon. And the reason I like Amazon is that they, uh, they have uh, kind of, um, uh, they're very good at leveraging kind of other things that they've built as side businesses, like the, the kind of crowd computing and all of that. I think yeah. that they, they've, they've done things in a way, you know, to a scale that has been really, really impressive. Um, and I really also like their uh, their way of working. So if you if you listen to or if you uh, read about the kind of Amazon's, um, you know, I think it's thirteen or fourteen you know pillars that you have to stick by if you want to be an Amazon employee. They really they basically tell you. So that's another another kind of reading tip is to read those because they basically tell you, um, you know, it's like an instruction set on on the kind of employee you need to scale a business basically. So, um, so Amazon would be would be a really good one. But the one thing I don't like about Amazon is that they are about um, driving things cheap and not really building any value in anything, and just getting things as cheap as they can and having this this cheap message that gets sent out. And I actually think that there is a, um, a kind of a need for for a more you know thought through you know, brand driven version of uh, version of Amazon that isn't quite isn't quite net porter so I, I think that there's there is space there for something that is a mix between those that can be really really cool but i uh i, I haven't so so i i'm not sure i'd work for amazon for that reason um but they have uh, a kind of a lot of principles that i really like
1: cool i'll i'll let you have that one as a kind of a half and half answer i think yeah i'm kind of i'm point, gonna there. be thinking about
0: this now after <laughs> after that thanks for,
1: thanks for having me anyway well if you come up with another answer let me know what it is in the meantime and i'll add it into the show notes for everybody Um, okay so uh, david before we say goodbye would you like to let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media
0: yeah so you can find us at www.asuitthatfits.com on facebook just search for um, a fits. i think it's facebook.com slash fits. And Twitter is at a suit that fits, and Instagram is a suit that fits. So we'll look forward to seeing you there.
1: Excellent. Thank you. And I'll add links to all of that and everything else we talked about today in the show notes. Master Plan World, you can find those at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash 58, or just go to the website, click on the podcast tab, or use the search box. David, thank you so much for being on the Ecommerce Master Plan podcast today, for being so generous, sharing your experiences with us.
0: Thank you for listening to the Ecommerce Master Plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com.